Let me just eliminate all of the white noise for They're you. They're counting on you not understanding what this is all about. They want to create conflict. They want to create this chaos. They want you to be stupid. This is the Conservative Daily Podcast with Joe Waldman. Yeah, I'm a threat because I'm telling you what the Constitution says. And Max McGuire. The flak is the heaviest when the bomber is right above the target about to open the bomb bay doors. And now the Conservative Daily Podcast is on the air. Welcome back to a special edition of Conservative Daily Podcast. You guys have all been waiting for this. You've been waiting for this for quite some time. I know that we were supposed to have a conversation with, uh, I don't know why that's playing in my ear, Mr. Producer, but it's playing in my ear. I'm getting an echo in my ear. But uh, we were supposed to have a, a roundtable with David Clements and Jovan Pulitzer. I had a conversation with uh, Jovan about kind of the his the way he wanted to do it, and it didn't it didn't it didn't go well. Um, but I did get a chance to to have him speak about his part in the uh, Maricopa audit. Tonight, we're going to have a roundtable of a different kind. We are joined by David Clements and Dr. Shiva. Dr. Shiva is an MIT PhD. He is probably one of the smartest men that I've had the opportunity and pleasure to um, get to know. And um, he's going to unpack a ton of information, make a presentation, show you some things having to do with election fraud. And we're going we're gonna to teach you all a little bit about Dr. Shiva tonight as well. We've got a couple videos to play for you. So let's not waste any more time. Let's bring Dr. Shiva and David Clements in. Dr. Shiva, welcome to the show. David Clements, welcome to the show. Welcome to this roundtable. And thank you for participating in it. Great to be here, Joe. Thanks for organizing this. Absolutely. I, um, you know, I, it, it's, it's no secret that uh, I'm a big proponent of election integrity, and I've been fighting tirelessly, and I know you have as well. Um, but if you could just take a couple minutes and tell, tell the listeners that maybe don't know about, I don't think there's many that don't know about you, but there's some that don't know about you, um, and give them a, a little bit of a, a background on, on who you are and why you're in this fight. Sure, so Joe, there's two videos I think your your production team um, teed up and I think both will give people a very deep understanding of how personal this is to me. Um, at a very high level, you know, my training has been in the field called engineering systems. The world today is, a field, is essentially um, a world of complex systems. You have healthcare systems, transportation systems, um, everything we see around us um, are systems, including your body is a system. Uh, we have the, no, the new notion that emerged in biology starting in 2003 of systems biology, starting to understand the body as a system. Unfortunately, when you look at the engineering systems approach, it seems like the field of election systems has somehow availed itself of a systems approach. So when I was asked to participate in the Maricopa audit, the aspect that we wanted to bring to this was to take an engineering systems approach. And what that means is you look at the entire process end to end, you start understanding all the potential areas of failure. And you don't take a, um, you know, a reductionist approach. So for example, if you remember the story of the six blind men who come, the king brings them to touch the elephant, and each one touches different parts, and they have a different view of the elephant, one touches a tail, and he thinks it's a brush, the guy touches a tusk, thinks it's a spear and so on. 
that approach is not going to work in the modern world anymore because you get a very uh, uh, reduced version of reality. So that's the approach we brought in. And the notion when you take an engineering systems approach, you do not have a disdain for anomalies. You encourage anomalies because as an engineer, you want to find little things that are wrong because you're going to create a better system. And that was what we presented at, at the Senate, uh, at the Arizona Senate. It was a very pedantic uh, presentation. And it basically said, look, we have found these anomalies and we want answers to them. And we wanted to participate in a collaborative way with the Maricopa officials. And that report was submitted to the attorney general. Now, that journey for me to that point goes all the way back to 1963 when I grew up in India. India has a caste system. You know, my parents and I came here when I was seven years old in 1970. My parents left a system of where there were the academics and the elites known as the Brahmins on top. We were on the bottom, okay, uh, known as Shudras, which is sort of like the N-word in the United States. And so my parents were extraordinary people. The fact that they made it out of the caste system was one out of a trillion to the power of a trillion. And they came to the United States for one singular reason, freedom and the ability that you could pursue your dreams. My mom said in, the, in, in India, you would get discriminated about 20 different ways. In the United States, maybe three, but if you worked hard, you could overcome that. Um, so when I decided to run for United States Senate, typically engineers, scientists are not supposed to run. It's preserved for billionaires and the Kennedys and a few celebrities or people who want to essentially play the game. Engineers and scientists and people wanna significantly s solve problems um, that's not supported. So anyway, we ran. We are uh, we ran against Elizabeth Warren. I registered as a Republican. Quickly realized that the Massachusetts GOP in Massachusetts is a uniparty organization with the Democrats, and we had to run as independents. We ran a great campaign called "Only the Real Indian Can Defeat the Fake Indian." We're the ones who forced Elizabeth <laughs> Warren to take the DNA test. We had signs everywhere. Donald Trump tried to take credit for it, but that wasn't his his undertaking. It was ours. We had volunteers on the ground. You couldn't go throughout Massachusetts without seeing a sign that had this big headdress on Warren, a picture of me juxtaposed to this fake Indian, real Indian. Um, and the Massachusetts GOP did not help us. In fact, though we got on the ballot, the GOP and the Democrats colluded to keep me off the debate stage, which was illegal. So the next year I said, okay, I'll give the GOP a try in 2020. And we ran in the Republican primary. And in the Republican primary, you can ask anyone in Massachusetts, you could not leave Massachusetts without people not seeing a Dr. Shiva sign. 20,000 lawn signs, 10,000 bumper stickers, 3,000 volunteers, and the GOP found a fool to run against us. And this fool had no organization, no lawn signs, nothing. And on September 1st, 2020, we were headed for a landslide. We found out this guy, quote unquote, wins. But he wins in only the machine counted counties. In the predominantly hand counted county of Franklin County, we win by 10 points. So my journey to election systems integrity was quite fortuitous because here I'm an engineering systems guy with a bunch of degrees from MIT. I've spent my whole life on building systems. So these guys ripped me off. So I was forced to take all of that intellectual power and said, what the hell is going on in the United States? I never thought election fraud took place here. So I want um, Apollo, one of your producers, if he can play the first video, uh, not the one that you played before Apollo, which will really show yeah, yeah, what our campaign was about, the first one. And so I want your audience to understand how personal this is to me. And when we talk about election systems integrity, the unfortunate perhaps disdain I have for people 
who've entered the election integrity environment to self-promote themselves and to make a business out of it. And we must root out these people because they are not supporting anything except themselves. So I want, uh, if Apollo can play that first video, you'll realize that this is very, very personal to me. Apollo, let's play video. You got it. Who would have ever thought I'd be running for United States Senate? I was born a low caste untouchable in India's caste system, a system of aristocracy, oppression, and racism. My name is Dr. Shiva Ayadure. I'm an MIT PhD, a Fulbright scholar, a scientist, entrepreneur, and inventor. My family and I left India to come to America on my seventh birthday. I grew up in the working class neighborhoods of New Jersey, playing baseball, mowing lawns, painting houses, and coding software. My friends and neighbors were black, Italians, Irish, people of all races. As a 14-year-old, I created the world's first email system long before I ever heard of MIT. Growing up, I saw politicians dividing us by race and religion in America or India to have us fighting each other while they were safe in their gated communities with their lawyers by their side. I'm a fighter. I fought racism, exposed their imperialist wars, fought for workers, and put my life on the line against global corruption. I never wanted to run for political office. All that changed in 2016. Americans rose up against the establishment. We remembered we had all left a world of injustice to come to America to make a better life. We realized lawyers, academics, and politicians, elites, Clintons, Romneys, Kennedys, Obamas, Bushes, black and white, had hijacked America. They gave bailouts to their friends. They delivered crumbling infrastructure, corruption and racism, dividing black and white, killing us, fear-mongering and fake science, lockdowns and censorship, dirty air, food and water, pushing drugs upon us, making us sicker. We've been sold out. One set of rules for them, another for us. We deserve a warrior with a history of courage who will put everything on the line for you. It's time to fight and win back America. That's why I'm running for U.S. Senate. This race is about truth, freedom and health versus power, profit, and control. We've had enough. They think we'll fall in line and vote again for their lawyers who get them off crimes. They never can represent us. What America needs is digital rights. We need citizen science. We need real health with no middlemen. We don't have time. We must do it now. We don't need them. We need us to go bottoms up, neighbor to neighbor. My journey, your journey are all the same. It's our time. It's time we had one of us. It's time we make America great for all of us. Write in Dr. Shiva for U.S. Senate on November 3rd. This is Dr. Shiva, and I approve this message. So, Joe, that was our campaign message, all produced by us, uh, you know, no Madison Avenue people. And so we captured the hearts of Massachusetts citizens, and we put the fear of God into the Massachusetts GOP. And we have to understand that the Massachusetts GOP, quote unquote, Republicans, work with Democrats in Massachusetts. They're a uniparty. So, as wings I mentioned, the same uh, bird. two wings of the same bird. And so on September 1st, it was, I mean, everyone said Dr. Shiva won on a landslide. This other guy was nowhere to be found. So on September 1st, when the results came in, as I mentioned, we win in the hand counted county by 10 points and everywhere 60-40-60-40. On September 9th, I went into the uh, Secretary of State's office with a camera with two of my volunteers. And we said, look, we want the ballot images. Very, very key. So here's a Democrat-controlled Secretary of State. And I had come to the understanding as I started, remember, all of this was new to me. I had to really start understanding election systems. On September 9th, uh, we went to this uh, Secretary of State and we said, look, we want the ballot images according to 52 USC 20701, which was a federal law that was passed by a Democrat majority, which encouraged audits. 
uh, we said we want those ballot images, which say that according to that law, all records in connection with the federal election must be preserved for 22 months. The state election director boasts and says, we deleted those images. We don't have to preserve them. That started a set of email interaction between me and the Senate, sorry, me and the Secretary of State. And in those four email interactions, the Secretary of State, State Election Director, uh, Michelle Tassinari admits she deleted the ballot images, gloats about it. Well, those four emails I put out on Twitter and I was thrown off Twitter with in the middle of my Senate campaign, a U.S. Senate candidate. And one of the interesting things that came out was that a news story published that the Secretary of State's office had contacted Twitter. And I want everyone to listen to this. The government had contacted Twitter to throw off a U.S. Senate candidate. I file a lawsuit. I couldn't I had to do it on my own. No lawyer wanted to take on this lawsuit. So in federal court, I represented myself pro se against three Harvard lawyers and I won the TRO. Tucker Carlson didn't want to cover this. It was one of the most important lawsuits of, I would say, of American history, because in that hearings, what was exposed was that the government of Massachusetts, in fact, all state governments have a Twitter VIP portal where government has an unholy alliance with big tech. So they contacted Twitter using this portal and the social media director was afraid of probably perjuring herself during cross-examination by me and the judge and she shared this, okay? The judge was frankly taken aback and he ordered the government to stop contacting Twitter. Well, I get put back on Twitter, guess when? On November 4th after the election's over, okay? Between November 4th to February 1st, I start tweeting again and on February 1st, I once again shared those four email screenshots. And boom, I was thrown off in 17 hours. I went back into court, and this time the judge ordered Twitter into the courtroom. It was me, an engineer, against seven lawyers this time. Three from Twitter, Wilmer and Hale. Three from the Secretary of State, one from the State Election Director, State National Association of State Election Directors, the organization that certifies all the voting machines. So the reason I want to share this is, that the censorship issue is directly related to election systems integrity, okay? So I wanna play this other video for people that, if you can play the next video, which will tell how our campaign moved into probing election systems integrity. So before we play that, before we play that video, I wanna I want say something. Dr. Shiva, you did this pro se. You walked in the courtroom. Uh, yeah, me against, me against three lawyers. I wrote all my briefs. And we, on May 20th, on May 19th, the night before my major lawsuit, where the, the judge had called, federal judge had called Twitter in, um, I had found what are called playbooks written at Harvard, and we don't have them here, very, very fortuitous, that these playbooks were created at Harvard, originally in England, which lay out a step-by-step -step recipe on how you will target an American citizen written at the Belfer School and how you will identify what they call an election influence operator, an IO, and how you will throw them off the internet. So I presented this to the judge and the judge was appalled on May 20th. And the after I presented the judge basically, and this is the election systems integrity playbook. Okay, let me show it to you, that's what it's called. And everyone should, every American should see this and this is the election system. And this was in 
This was written at Harvard Belfer School and basically lays out how you will identify someone. And in the first few pages of that playbook, the way you decide if someone is a threat to the government is if they say that a government official is corrupt. That's what it says. If you say that a government election official is corrupt, that is grounds for you to be surveillanced. And they surveil you into three levels, low, medium, and high severity. So I presented this to the judge. The judge was blown away. And he said, Dr. Shiva, he goes, you have done this lawsuit on your own. He goes, Do you, would you like me to appoint you a lawyer? He goes, this case will become the law school exam in every constitutional law class. Donald Trump didn't help us. Tucker Carlson didn't help us. All these so-called conservatives. Glenn Greenwald knew about this. So I consider all these people grifters, actually, because they don't do what needs to be done at the time. Later on, when it's convenient to talk about government censorship, they do. Hedge their best. But we were out there lonely fighting. And in fact, the head of Wilmer and Hale, who was the judge, who was a lawyer for Twitter, she accused me of using shadow counsel. She could not believe that I wrote all my own briefs. That's how good my briefs were. Okay. And people have she followed any of the rest of your work? Because I have. <laughs> it would not surprise well, me I, that you wrote those briefs. My, my point is we wrote all those briefs. Yeah. The judge appointed me a lawyer. And what we found out was a judge got so afraid because in this lawsuit, we had figured out the entire domestic censorship infrastructure. And you can see this. It's a RICO diagram. Okay. And everyone should study this. We showed that in the United States right now that it, they have created through CISA, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency created by Trump. Trump extended the Patriot Act. I'm sorry. You know, I, I gave him a lot of money, supported him. But whoever advised him, that censorship infrastructure was put in place. So if you or I say anything against ele election officials, they have a method to launder censorship. So we have an unholy alliance between government and big tech. It is not just big tech. And that same unholy alliance is what is used. We don't have the First Amendment anymore, David. It's gone. So we got to stop talking about we're going to win freedom. We've lost it. We've lost the First Amendment. So that's what our lawsuit brought up. Our lawsuit, once we shared this, the, my own lawyer wanted me to drop all the claims against uh, the election officials. He wanted me to eliminate the RICO thing. We had to fire him at the loss last minute. Our own judge buried our lawsuit. He sealed a lawsuit on censorship because it got too hot for the judge to handle. And I'll, I'm, I'm finishing up a book on this. But the point is this, that we should play this other video because people need to recognize that America, the foundations of the First Amendment has been destroyed absolutely destroyed and with the destruction of the first amendment we've destroyed the election systems there are real fundamental substantive issues in the election systems and the grifters in this election integrity movement need to get the hell out of the way and anyone funding them should stop funding them because what they're doing is they're playing into the left and the right who do not want americans to get back on the track to real fair elections and we're going to talk about that when I get into the details, but uh, let's, we need let's, to clean a house here in our own house. Let's let's so go let's ahead and play, play the second video. video.
On September 1st, the working people of Massachusetts rose up to elect one of their own for U.S. Senate. They united beyond black and white, beyond left and right, to unleash a movement for truth, freedom, health. 3,000 volunteers, 10,000 lawn signs, 20,000 bumper stickers, millions of phone calls, massive rallies, over 20,000 donations, funding highway billboards, ads on social media, radio and network TV, making Dr. Shiva for Senate a household name. The people of Massachusetts were headed for a landslide victory. But on the eve of election night, Secretary of State Galvin spread disinformation saying only 150,000 would vote in the Republican primary, 100,000 less than 2018. On election night, Shiva for Senate won in Franklin County by nearly 10%, but lost in every other county by 20% to an invisible opponent, neither heard nor seen, had no lawn signs, no bumper stickers, no organization, in short, no campaign. In Franklin County, ballots were counted mainly by hand. In all other counties, mainly digital scanners generated ballot images tabulated by electronic software. Evidence comparing number of votes to voters revealed blatant fraud. In Boston, 4,000 more votes than voters. In Newton, 1,700 more votes than voters. More votes than voters in every city for which Shiva for Senate received data. Mathematicians and data analysts discovered a completely improbable frequency pattern of voting revealing the software for electronic tabulation was set to reduce Shiva for Senate votes by 50% and increase their votes by 20%. More disturbing, ballot images were destroyed. Federal law demands all records, documents generated in connection with an election must be retained for 22 months. Massachusetts violated federal law. The establishment does not want one of us, working people, to represent us. When we win, they cheat. When we win, they rig their software to steal our democracy. You now have a choice. Accept election fraud, accept corruption, or fight. We choose to fight to escalate our movement for truth, freedom, health by leading a write-in campaign for Dr. Shiva for U.S. Senate to unite working people to build a defiant movement to expose and destroy their system of power, profit, and control. Join us. Write in Dr. Shiva for U.S. Senate now or by November 3rd. It's time for us. This is Dr. Shiva, and I approve this message. So, uh, Joe and David, you see those you see those cards. I don't know if you have one here, John, but we are people put out two million of those little cards. Stop election fraud. This is long before the Trump stuff all over Massachusetts by hand. So the hashtag stop election fraud was started by our campaign. We we've created all the analytics um, and the importance of ballot images. And we t have this discussion is important. So here the elites in Massachusetts who stole our election wouldn't give us the ballot images. What's what's really interesting is I went through the same thing with the Arizona audit. We couldn't get the ballot images from quote unquote our guys only and until recently. And when you did, well, they were corrupted well, the first time. Well, the first time, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. But the point is the ba uh, to those people listening, the a paper ballot goes into the machines, a ballot image is created, and the ballot image is used to tabulate what's called the votes in the CVR cast vote records. Right. So if you want to start an audit, you should start, you know, if you want to figure out how why the cookie was made wrong, start with the end product and work backward in some ways or start at some end point and go methodically. Right. So what right. is unfortunate in the Maricopa audit was I was hired to do the ballot images and we waited and waited and waited and we got them. They were corrupted. And this is public information. 
and the county was blamed. But what I've come to find out is that the people doing the audit on quote unquote our side had those ballot images. They gave them to others, but not to the not to Dr. Shiva who was hired to do it. They had them in their possession for many months, starting in April 21st. So I find it sort of ironic here, the Democrats in Massachusetts who cheated our election didn't want to give us ballot images. And the so-called conservatives who were doing the audit, I only I had to scream and yell to get them only recently. And we finished that in, you know, and we're going to be publishing the report on that. But that should have been done day one. But that's a, a, a thing we'll come back to at the end of this conversation. But the bottom line is this, and I've set up a presentation. I want to thank the members of our Election Systems Integrity Institute, which we've launched, stellar people. But we need to have a conversation about how we really advance election systems integrity. And there are significant opportunities for us, but we also need to clean house first. And when I mean clean house, we need to acknowledge there, there are a lot of dedicated people out there who've worked hard, but there are people who've grifted and they've taken advantage of the American people. And they think that by talking their way through stuff, they can BS their way through stuff. And this is, that's not how science works. You know, there's a lot of people you know, people on our team who work very hard. I mean, serious scientists and engineers. So I want to share with your audience that you cannot support lack of integrity in election systems integrity. integrity. Okay. Yeah. 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 We have. If, if we can't have people who have no integrity to pursue election integrity. Okay. It's like it's never going to work. So um, I don't know how you want to start, but. We can well, go over to the PowerPoint. And, well, I want to, uh, but I, Dr. Yeah. Shiva, I want to give David uh, just a minute so that he can say hello to, to the listeners as well, if you can, and then we'll get right into the uh, presentation that you did. But I, I want to talk about the election integrity and the lack of integrity and the fact that they viciously attack you when you stand up for truth. And then their mainstream media and their minions will write all sorts of bad things about you. So I spent the day looking at some of the things that they said about the reports that you put out and the tweets that you put out back in April. And their, their big thing was that they were calling you the misinformation campaign because you were sour that you didn't win, right? Yet when you go back and look at the information, they did not include any of those tweets and or the subsequent information related to your lawsuit in any of those articles written by these left-wing mags, rags. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really interesting that, that uh, we're all facing the same thing and there's this massive amount of chaos being built in the middle of it by people who say that they're trying to help us in the election integrity movement. David, I'll give you a word. Hey, thanks, Joe. And thank you, Dr. Shiva, for letting me join you on this panel. My interest in this is as a longtime prosecutor. And so one of the things that I'm very interested in is evidence and how it makes its way into a courtroom. And I've tried about 160 jury trials. I've gotten eight first degree murder convictions in my time as a prosecutor. So I've gone against opposition that wants to keep evidence out and away from a jury. And so I was fascinated with the election fight day one, and I followed Dr. Shiva's work. Um, but like any mystery, you start to see who can cut it and who can't. And I've seen many bought and paid for experts that have been presented by the defense counsel in certain cases that I've tried. And you just need to know that just because someone calls themselves an expert doesn't make it so. They're usually subject to cross-examination and you have to, you know, you basically have to get to the truth. And unfortunately, I've come to the same conclusion 
that Dr. Shiva has, even though I'm, I'm one of the biggest champions of the audit movement trying to get to what happened. But at the end of the day, you can't just hide things and, and obfuscate and, um, and confuse people. And so my, my role in all this is to try to provide clarity. And so uh, the invitation that was extended initially by Javon Hutton Pulitzer uh, was to go mano a mano with myself. And trial attorneys don't do that. We're, we're not to be witnesses and advocates. I want to advocate for fixing 2020. So I was very interested when Dr. Shiva and I connected uh, to talk about what his observations were on Maricopa, uh, what he saw that went right, what went wrong, and, and that was my interest. And so I'm here tonight uh, to, to sit in on a presentation that I was privy to uh, earlier in the week with Dr. Shiva, I've got grave concerns. And ultimately, I just want people to have the whole truth, because if we act like this is going to go away, it's going to explode in our faces at the most inopportune time. And so we need to confront the ugly truth now and make corrections. So I'm seeing this interview as a as a postmortem of what went wrong in 2021. And we have to pray that it's not too late, that we can correct the ship, salvage Maricopa County. There's still ways I believe that we can we can fix Maricopa County and we should still be advocating for decertification. But it was made much more difficult because people infiltrated that audit, co-opted it, neutralized it. And our heavy hitters are Dr. Shivas, uh, Ben Cotton with Cypher. He didn't have access to the routers, the spunk locks. So our most credible experts either got corrupted images or weren't provided with um, crucial technology that would have gotten, given us a, a full picture of the truth. And so we're here today to, to see if we can shine some light and, and inform we the people. So thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So, you, you know, I, I, I've been um, at the tip of the spear talking about this stuff, and I was always interested in why I spent two and a half hours with Dr. Shiva on the phone. And, and by the way, it it uh, it shattered my paradigm and my perception of a lot of things, Dr. Shiva, because you were telling me things that I hadn't heard before, right? And so the more and more I talked to you and the more and more I understood about the experiences you had in Maricopa, the more upset I became at what looks like mistakes that end up being what is more likely um, something more, much more deliberate. Now, I'm not I'm not taking shots at any one person, but I think that if you're listening to this, you need to take the time, slow down, listen. I don't care if you don't like that Dr. Shiva called out President Trump. You know, not everyone's going to be right all the time. And frankly, I'm not going to sit here and make this a defense of a football team or an individual. We've got to get to the bottom of this or we will not have another free and fair election in the country ever again. They will have completed the coup. So this is really important that you listen. You know, put your pen down, put your, your fingers down off the off – the, uh, comments and listen to this. Dr. Shiva, we're going to start the presentation now. Yeah, uh, let me just preface this by saying, look, there's a lot of very sincere people who worked very, very hard uh, on a number of these audits on the Maricopa audit, very, very smart and dedicated people. And so I want to acknowledge those people. And we have to honor the incredible work. Some of those people have not been paid. Some of those people out of their own pocketbooks bought equipment that they still haven't been reimbursed for. Joe and David, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Okay. Now, Dr. Shiva, did you, were you, did they put monies that they said went to you in the Maricopa audit that you did not receive? Uh, I was initially supposed to 
you know, by the way, I've probably done a couple million dollars worth of work on this entire stuff without ever being paid. If you actually put my, you know, value of my consulting time. Okay. Yeah. The first time I was ever uh, given a contract was uh, with the cyber ninjas to do the ballot image analysis. Uh, we never got the real ballot images, even though they had them in their possession. And then it moved to a direct relationship with the Senate for $50,000 to analyze the envelope images. And everyone saw that we did a 99 page report, then a 67 page subsequent report. And we're very proud of that analysis that we did. And it was only recently did we get ballot images delivered to us because of the efforts of the Senate liaison, Randy Pollan's effort, you know, but that's just recently and we're going to submit the analysis, but it should not have taken this long to get those ballot images. So we, in its public record, we got $50,000 directly from the Senate for doing the envelope image audit. And I bet you, you know, work-wise, we probably put 10 times more effort into it. And in 20 days, we did the work, a Herculean effort. I don't think other organizations could have done that rapidly. And that's fundamentally because of the expertise we have. But let me jump into this. But I want to, again, acknowledge a lot of great people. But those, so can I just go right into the uh, presentation? Absolutely. So uh, first of all, yeah, we have uh, my view, by the way, relative to President Trump, you know, I've met with him in the last 60 days. Very nice gentleman. You know, he gave us some wonderful gifts. Uh, I think uh, he's a good, uh, loving human being who loves his country. But I think he's frankly surrounded by uh, people who, uh, frankly, he's made a mistake. He's chosen, right? The Mm -hmm. buck stops at the top. And that's why I have, uh, it has nothing to do with me liking him or not liking him. Uh, But I gave money to him. I was on the ground in the uh, snow and stuff, putting up signs and a lot of people. So I think the bottom line is that there were serious mistakes made there. And uh, a lot of money was raised for election integrity. God knows where that money went. Okay. But anyway, that's a whole nother discussion. But we have started an election systems integrity institute because we believe Harvard, Stanford, MIT, have these very profound scientific institutes and the uh, actual understanding of election systems integrity is a very, very partisan area. We wanna create a nonpartisan institute and we've launched that. I've launched it myself, funded it myself so far. So what we wanna talk about is, uh, the larger context that we wanna talk about is we're gonna have a series of lectures on this. And the goal is to advance election systems integrity So consider what we're going to do today, Joe and David here, is to really start this process to do the great reset for all of this. And so we want to talk about the problems. Okay, so so this is part one, really. Okay, we'll have a part two, et cetera. I want to acknowledge the team members of the Election Systems Integrity Institute. People can go to electionsystemsintegrity.org. Very new website. If you want to understand those of you interested in participating, uh, we're fully open to it. Our mission is to really advance election system science and engineering by applying the scientific method. David, what you talked about evidence and an engineering systems approach. We're not going to really get to the bottom of this if it's based on uh, putting out stuff out there to hype up stuff so you can cha-ching raise money on it. It's not how things are going to really move forward. Um, The agenda I want to do today is I want to give a little bit of background. What's the motivation that brings us here? I think we've talked about it. I want to give a little bit of a preview. There are the real problems, the big elephants in the room that have not been discussed because we've gotten lost in some, frankly, nonsense. Um, And that I want to talk about some of the egregious errors and incompetence uh, that's taken place. I want to talk about this 
thing called Sharpie Gate and the false claims. And they're separate from those two. There are some good people who know mathematics, but curve fitting does not equal fraud. And I want to, for those people who've been funding this, and I'm talking about individuals who've given $5, $10, or people have given millions of dollars, that the question we want to ask is, do you want to be victims of this or do you want to be enablers of this? Okay, so let's begin. First of all, this presentation, we're going to talk about the problems in ele the election integrity movement. There will be future lectures, we'll, which we'll also have, and we can host it with you guys if you want, or we'll do it on yeah. our own. But we want to talk about the elephants in the room, the real problems in election systems integrity, and what's the path forward that we want to do. So the purpose of this to everyone listening is to really be constructive. But like one of my mentors, Frank Zane, who's a great bodybuilder, he said, first you must sometimes destroy to create, okay? So we got to clean the deck sometimes, okay? You got to detox. So what is a motivation? The motivation is not to, uh, you know, uh, this is not about uh, personalities. This is really about, there's a desire by those dedicated to the discipline of engineering sciences to identify real problems in election systems integrity. However, egregious errors and false claims are frankly distracting from the real and substantive issues of election systems integrity. And the, the problem is many of the people who approach me, this is damaging their credibility. And people are really upset at this. And those who sincerely work beyond left and right to expose a real malfeasance. So I'm not gonna go through this today, but there are big elephants in the room which have, we have not even begun to address because of the grifting that's taken place. We have ballot change, a chain of custody issues, major issue, accessibility of standard operating procedures, training of election personnel, enforcement of these SOPs and existing laws. There is really no real penal, penalties right now for violation of 52 USC 20701. There is no meaningful signature verification and failure rate detection. Some of the work our institute's going to be doing, we're going to be publishing a paper, which will come out in the next week or so. Please keep an eye out for that. Data federation, which means system A doesn't communicate with system B to system C. None of the data matches, okay? Mismatch of common data elements. There's inconsistency of voter identification methods based on how you come into this process. And most importantly, in any type of audit, there's a lack of end-to-end, -end, what we call in the quote unquote Harvard Business School model, key performance indicators, okay? Auditors know this. We will discuss this, but I want you to just look at this and I'm sure you haven't seen this really being highlighted. The, there are real elephants in the room and we need to go after those because this is where prosecution should occur. This is where we'll get down to recognizing that both wings of the establishment have been taking advantage of the American public. They're real issues. But let's talk now to clear the deck, okay? There are egregious errors and incompetence that have taken place. So one of the things is a failure to understand adjudication, okay? So we're gonna educate people what is adjudication and there's been a real failure to understand this. So for example, here's a ballot. Now you notice uh, you are supposed to vote for three, you're supposed to make three choices. Everyone see that? But the guy only made one choice. So this is a race on a ballot. Now this would, because the person only voted for one and not three people, this would go to adjudication. And in adjudication, people review this. And in this race, you're supposed to vote for three people, but someone voted for one. So this 
race on this ballot, so race and ballot cannot be conflated, will be adjudicated to determine the voter intent, okay? Now, just to give a little bit of background, a ballot can have many races, right? You can vote for the dog catcher, you can vote for the you know, judge, et cetera. So one ballot could have 60 races. Now, one or more races on a ballot may be flagged for adjudication. So even if all 60 races on one ballot were flagged for adjudication, um, only one ballot is counted as adjudicated. Does that make sense? So yes. even if someone yes. reviewed all, it's not 60 adjudications or 60 modifications, it's one ballot that was adjudicated. Okay. Well, those are we two different things. Modifications are totally different than adjudication. Adjudication goes well, to the actual ballot itself. Modifications are made on the ballot in a specific race. In a, in a specific race, so you can have many, and, and by the way, you can have a bunch of adjudications, but maybe no modifications were made, okay? But Correct. the key point, to, we cannot confuse a race with a ballot, okay? So this was put out by an individual, uh, Jeffrey, I think, uh, Philia, AKA, uh, I think, Jovan Pulitzer, JP, we'll call him. And this uh, was, and by the way, what I'm sharing right now is, Joe, it's what you sent me. You sent me about six images to review, okay? Yes. And so this was one of those images, which is called a batch modification report. It looks very, very complicated. And what you see here is a image um, where it says that 12%, 12.06% of a particular batch of ballots and it's referring to, let me walk you through this. So this diagram, what it says is, according to its author, is clear, quote unquote, evidence of election fraud in Maricopa County, okay? David, going back to what you call, it's a presentation of evidence, but let's really unpack this. What's really going on here? Well, first of all, up here is the a number that says that there were 24 ballots that were modified. You see that, 24, out of, right here, 199 ballots. So 24 divided by 99 comes to this 12.06, okay? So 24 ballots were modified out of 199, so you get 12.06, one out of 88 ballots. And by the way, I think there are 10,000 of these uh, created, so we're only looking at one of them that was sent to us, meaning uh, many batches were analyzed uh, with these kinds of images. But one would leave after looking at this thing, it's really a misrepresentation of adjudication because it says 12%, one out of eight of ballots were, in this case, modified, okay? So is this accurate, okay? Um, and by the way, if this is accurate, this would affect all batches, about 10,000 that were apparently reviewed and analyzed by the author and represented as evidence. So let's go a little bit deeper into this. So first of all, there's a number of errors here. First of all, um, you know, it's when we're doing audits, you have to be right with your numbers. So 200 ballots are in this batch, not 199, okay? It's one to 200, okay? All right. Zero to, so two, my, zero to 199. Yes, I mean, there's First different, count. but you know what I'm saying, the ordinal count, but it's right. 200 ballots. The second error is there's only 16 ballots that were adjudicated, not 24. And I'll show you all the data on this. Um, Next fact is given that there's 60 races per ballot, if you want to think about it from potential adjudications, that would have been 12,000 potential adjudications. 
The fact is that 24 adjudications over 12,000 would be 0.02%. Now, the reality is, if you want to give the benefit of the doubt, 16 ballots out of 200 ballots, 16 ballots were adjudicated, right? Modified. Mm -hmm. That would be 8%, not 12.06%. Okay. So on a good day, this should be brought down 8%, but it gets a little more interesting. Okay. So when we want to talk about evidence, if you look at 16 out of 200 ballots at 8%, not 12.06%. However, not even one race on these 16 ballots was adjudicated for the presidential race. So those of our people who saw this would think, oh my God, 12% in this ballot were you know, adjudicated for the presidential race. So let's look at the ballot images. Remember, we recently got the ballot images. So we actually looked them up, Joe and David. Okay, we went into our database and we looked them up and I'm gonna share with you some examples. Um, when you look at this and some very, this number over here, H1 denotes the actual tabulator, right? which is the actual machine that the ballots were put through. And the tabulator here is 3001, their first H1. This number is there were 200, that's the batch, okay, batch ID. And what you find is when you look this up, and we have this, by the way, we have it loaded up in our data center, we looked it up, there's 16 ballots that were actually modified. So let's go a little more detail. So when you analysis of the adjudicated ballots in the quote unquote evidentiary batch, okay? So this is one of those ballots, Joe and David. We pulled one of those 16 out. And what do you see here? So this is when something gets adjudicated. So this is a ballot and we're looking at one race. And what you see here, this is one adjudicated ballot and one race was changed, Joe, to your point, okay? And this was a race where there, it's called an overvote because a person is voting for a, a superior court and they circled this and this. Everyone see that? It's called an overvote. You voted yes and no, and then the person canceled this. So in the database, it's, it was frankly correctly done. It was adjudicated and it was resolved. And again, this, this is not a presidential vote was effective. Okay? This is a down ballot race. Is that clear? Yes. Any questions? So that's nope. one of those 60 ballots. Let me go to another one. Here's another one that's interesting. This is again, one adjudicated ballot. Again, one race was changed. This was for an overvote again for Supreme Court. It was correctly resolved to one vote. Yes, and you can see that right here. And again, this was not a presidential race, okay? No presidential vote for Biden or Trump was affected. Here's another one that's even more interesting. One ballot, but you'll notice there's one, two, three, four, five races, okay? That were flagged. But notice it's still one adjudicated ballot, but nothing was changed here, David or Joe, okay? There was in fact a overvote here for the HS governing board. Um, and that was properly, uh, there, was no, uh, there was no really uh, race change. And there were four examples of undervotes, but again, no presidential vote was affected. So I just want the viewers to understand that this is the adjudication process, but everyone should understand when we ran as a write-in in the general election, every write-in vote is always automatically adjudicated. It does not mean that there was some malfeasance, okay? So here's a write-in and there was, so the write-in campaign is captured, right? Because you have to capture it and adjudication is a process. And the undervote is for state rep and they were supposed to vote for two. Again, no presidential race. The net of it is when you look at this graphic, 
it frankly shows a serious lack of understanding. There's errors in reading the CVR. It's 200, not 199. It may seem minor, but it's important. It's conflation of races and ballots. The adjudication occurs on overvotes and undervotes, which we saw. But remember, any write-in must be adjudicated. It's not a bad vote. You can't conflate this to say something's going on. As I mentioned, there are many, many real problems. This is not a real problem. Not one was a presidential race across all those 16 ballots in that batch. But if you were to just look at this as a naive viewer or you were hyped up on, you would say, oh, my God, 12 percent of the presidential races perhaps were adjudicated. Now, in this same if the same erroneous method was used across all those batch modification reports, and I haven't seen them all, Joe, but I understand there are many of these reports using this same format, potentially 10,000. They're all incorrect. Okay. Second thing is there's a failure. Dr. 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 Shiva, can I I interrupt you really quick? Could you go back? Um, I remember the first time that I looked at the, um, that fancy graphic and you've got the modified human modified. And then there's this mention of AI. And when I see this, it, it's, it leads me to believe that AI perhaps is a machine artificial intelligence aspect of this analysis. Um, what are your thoughts? Have you been able to derive any thoughts on what the AI means? On I don't know report? what that means. I, I would really like to know, but these are, you know, as far as I you know, they're looked up by humans, right? So I'm not, I'm not sure what this AI is. I'm also not sure. Is this Elon Musk's organization, Tesla? So I'm not sure what this is down here. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that would lead one to believe there's some something major going on here, but there's a lack of understanding fundamentally, David, between races and ballots. And there's a, there's a, frankly a conflation between those two. Okay. Okay. But Continue. the key thing with these ballots is there's none of them are presidential races that were affected. It has nothing to do with the Trump and Biden race. Is that clear? These are down ballot races. Okay. And all of them were handled properly. Nothing burger. Let's go to the next one, failure to understand modified cards. So again, let me go back to this example. One, three people should have been voted, right? As we said, Um, but we need to understand something. What a modified card, and this is election terminology, is a post adjudication record. So you have a race and you say, okay, how should, which way should have this gone? And then a, a modified card is created, okay? Now, Maricopa also used electronic adjudication of this specific race in question. And the modified card and the original card are often the same since the races are unchanged, as you remember in this case, right? So here are five races on the same ballot and none of them, there were no races changed. So the modified card and the the original card are the same, okay? But if you don't understand this, which I think what the problem here is, it's a serious lack of a fundamental understanding um, to count every adjudicated race as a modified ballot, okay? And I think that's what happened here. Let me go into something that gets to the big picture here because we don't wanna create, again, nothing burgers that allows people who do, who are election uh, fraud deniers to say, aha, right? We're chasing something, we got them. And, you know, on on garbage. And frankly, when you look at the entire thing, the reality of adjudication for presidential race, 11,930 presidential races were impacted uh, by adjudication. So all those ballots, okay, 
if you look at 2,075,000 ballots, there were only 11,930 presidential races that were impacted by adjudication. Does that make sense? Which means out of all those ballots, 11,930 were the ones that people had to look at adjudication of the presidential races. To make it even more precise, of those 7,942 were write-in and they had nothing to do with Trump or Biden, okay? They're write-in for other presidential races, for people writing in maybe Mickey Mouse or Kanye West, okay? Things like that. All the write-in votes had to be adjudicated. So there's no really, you know, issues there because if it's a write-in, it's gotta be adjudicated. Um, now, there were a small number of them where you had people put X's and check marks and that had to be adjudicated. But if you take all those away, at the end of the day, when it came to Trump and Biden, only 3,732 had to do with this, uh, you know, was it for Trump or Biden, okay? And so at the end of the day, less than 4,000 out of 2 million. But more importantly, you know, there were assertions made that 300,000 out of 2 million were adjudicated for the presidential race. And this will get us into the Sharpie gate area, okay? But these are the absolute facts and these are the evidence when you look at it. Okay, again, there are many, many real problems. This is not a real problem. It was unfortunately hyped up. Now, let's go to the fiction of Sharpie gate. I think it was called the Hemo Report. I guess uh, bleed through, okay? Uh, pretty interesting marketing. And again, this is a false claim. Um, the guys at Gateway Pundit, I guess, picked this up and I don't blame them for it, but it was a story that was sold to them, the HEMO report. Let's look at what we mean by bleed through. Now, I want people to look at this ballot because it's a wonderful example um, because the story out there was that this sharp Sharpies were used and because of the use of Sharpies, as you can see, they bled through from one side to the other side and they would have caused adjudication. So, by the way, here's a ballot. You can see how misaligned it is. You see, see the marks along here? This yep. is one that's seriously misaligned. And well, so you would think, yep, so, I'm sorry, Joe. So I want, I want people to understand that it's called a um, um, MBP, right? So the reason why it's misaligned is that this particular ballot is put through what's called a mail ballot printer. So it's printed because all ballots that go out that are not produced on mail ballot printers are proofed before they're actually sent out, right? And the company in Maricopa that did those things is called Runbeck. I just want, I want everybody to understand that the, the ballots didn't just come out of a machine from Runbeck sent out to people as a mail-in ballot and they came back this way. These are ballots that were printed using the mail ballot printer. Is that accurate? I, I read that in the report in the third volume. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think the key thing in this example, see how misaligned it is? Yeah. So if this was, so if, it's unreadable so if you notice, point. Yeah, this, if you notice these dots here, they're people marking stuff for races on the other side. And even in such a, such a uh, pretty abominably misaligned, you notice that the, right here, these dots are nowhere near these dots over here. That's the point, okay? If they were here, Joe, they would go into adjudication. Does that make sense? Yes. Because these dots yeah. would be over these dots and you say, hey, I'd have an overvote and I got to figure out which way they go. Everyone clear? Yes. Okay. The point was, even in such a case, this is actually nothing really happened here. It's a nothing burger. But assertions were made 300,000, uh, uh, you know, ballots potentially went through this process. 
and there and and that they were held in abeyance, right? And that this was a basis of quote unquote fraud. Um, so the claim was tens of thousands of election day ballots were affected by Sharpie Gate. The reality is only 852 election day ballots were adjudicated for president. Okay, that's a reality. All 850 were write-in votes. And the reality were only 13 involved Trump or Biden. I'm sorry to say Sharpie Gate is not an issue. It's an unfortunate hyperbole to say, to, to give it the best case analysis, okay? And again, you can okay. see that's the data there. Sorry, I'm now, taking notes too. I know I can go back and read it, but I have some, I'm gonna have some questions at the end, so. Sure, we have everything here. The next thing is I wanna go to a really a failure to understand provisional ballots. To people understanding what is a provisional ballot? You go, you know, to vote. Now, provisional ballots are not only on election day. They can also be early voting. You decide to go to vote and uh, early voting and you forget to bring your ID or you don't have it. They'll say, well, OK, we're going to let you vote. But later on, we'll figure out if you're a real voter. OK, it's called that's called a provisional. You're you're voting, but it's unsure whether your vote's going to be counted until it's properly uh, reviewed. OK, so there were. Um, uh, uh, I think thousands of pages of a book created um, where this is a one page out of the Maricopa canvas report. Okay. Just one page for a particular precinct and what, and I'm just taking an example here. And in this page, you see what, how many, you know, were, uh, accepted and how many were rejected in for provisional ballots. Okay. So six were accepted and it tells why the reason codes, the new resident ballot verified and address was updated early ballot requested and not returned. Right. And these are the reasons why someone's provisional ballot was rejected, right? You're not registered to vote. That's this code. You were not eligible to vote in this election. Your early ballot was sent, returned and counted, right? It was already counted, right? Conditional provisional sufficient. So anyway, so this is literally a page out of the Maricopa canvas report for a precinct clear. This was presented as a visualization uh, spelling mistake here, not ours, but in this multi-page book. And uh, the individual here, uh, Mr. Fulia, I mean, uh, Pulitzer, uh, presented this as some phenomenal type of dashboard analysis. When what you can see here, and he in fact termed this kinematic artifact detection. Okay. Just want to be clear what this is. This is just a regurgitation of this. This is not some advanced analysis. This is not kinematic artifact detection, simply taking this data and putting it, frankly, into some relatively uh, simple graphs, confusing graphs, unfortunately. This is actually much easier to read, okay? Uh, but bottom line is this is a regurgitation of the Maricopa Canvas report for a precinct. And what do you see here? This is just the accepted piece. You know, it has the six ballots and it just lists the reason codes. In fact, it's a little bit harder to read. These are the rejected codes. This is a graph simply um, uh, pie charting how many were rejected of the provisional, how many were accepted. Okay. Is that clear? Got it. Okay. Uh, Dr. But, Shiva, before, yeah. before you move on, um, 
there's a lot of stuff here that if you could just comment, like you've got what appears to be a red thumbprint. Uh, there's a K1. There's a uh, there's a P. Uh, uh, there's a scale. Um, could you just, I think for the first time viewer, this is going to be kind of overwhelming. So if you have discerned what some of this stuff means, because I agree, you've got basically a, a reconstituting of this information that you've just placed on the Maricopa County uh, canvas page, but then you've got some other bells and whistles that are there on this other image. What are your thoughts on those bells and whistles? Well, uh, we're going to go through each one of them, David. Okay. Uh, the point is that this report is taken and converted to this part here and this part here and this part here. Okay. This number up here is all the registered voters in that precinct, how many voted and how many, uh, were rejected. Is that clear? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pause for you for one minute because I want people to understand because they're saying, all right, well, let's, let's go faster. We got it. Got it. Got it. Listen, people, for, for those of you that think that this is going to be some, some very quick, let's just throw it together and put it out there. And it's going to be some little picture and you put it on the wall. And this is what's going to tell you. We're going to get to the fraudulent, the, the, the juicy stuff, but laying a basis of the stuff that is problematic has to happen. This is called peer review. This is called proofing. This has to happen, right? And so we're doing this first and then we'll get into the other aspects of what what is really the meat of what we should need to concentrate on in the fraud that happened in Maricopa County specifically. So pay attention, but just take a deep breath. I didn't tell you that this was going to be a 30-minute get on Dr. Shiva. Get all this stuff and put it out there, and we'd be done. I want you to pay attention to the details because this is important. And I hope Jovan is actually paying attention and watching this as well because I think this is important information for him to understand as well. That is it for the first part of this explosive special edition broadcast of Conservative Daily with Dr. Shiva and David Clements. Trust but verify, you've heard that here before. It's going to continue in part two of this episode coming up next. So stay tuned and listen to the rest of this awesome episode with Dr. Shiva and David Clements. Yeah.